So we are in part five of how a body works. Uh, and how many of you were here last week? Did some of you guys make it out? It was a crazy, crazy week last week. Awesome week. Zach Fay, uh, one of our members preached, did a fantastic job. If you missed it, it's online. But I love how he closed the sermon last week. He said, the body of Christ is like a reverse eclipse. He said, an eclipse is where the moon blocks the sun and shows the world darkness. He said, but the body of Christ is when we get to stand in front of darkness and show the world light. And I just thought, man, that just captures so much of what we're striving to do and striving to be uh, as the body of Christ. And so as I've been praying this week, like, God, how do, I, how do I sum up this series? How do I wrap it up in a way that I can just convey it? And you go, okay, I get it. The body of Christ, I, I understand it. I want to be a part of it. I want to live it out. How do I convey that? And so I was praying about how do I title the message, what do I, how do I put it together, and I came up with this title, and you may think that I have lost my mind, you may think I've finally just gone off my rocker, but the title for today's message is, Don't Go to Church. Amen? Amen! And, and then everybody leaves and goes to brunch on the loop. So wait, before you do that, let me explain. Uh, I, I'm a church kid. I grew up in church. All my life I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. His dad was a pastor. Mom's dad was a pastor. Uncle's pastors. I mean, I just grew up around ministry all my life. I grew up in church. We went to church when I was a kid. We went to church. uh, We had Sunday morning Sunday school. And then we had Sunday morning worship service. And then we had Wednesday night Bible study. And then we had Friday night youth group. And then we had Saturday night um, a choir practice. And then we were back to church on Sunday. So we were just going to church. I was going to church all the time. That's what I did. And then we would have revival meetings. And some of you don't even know anything about revival meetings. Some of you don't know anything. Some of you know, anybody know anything about revival? Okay, some of you guys do, all right. So revival meetings were like where every night of the week there would be a special speaker come in and they would start preaching and you would be there from like seven to midnight every night of the week and then you're at Steak and Shake after that talking to people and then you're trying to go to school the next day and that's why I didn't do so well in math but that's a totally different sermon. But anyway, so, so I was a kid that just was always going to church. But for me, I never ever quite got what it meant to be the church. My personal experience was that I was a kid that went to church, but I was never a kid that became the church. And there's a big, big difference between going to church and being the church. It's a big difference. Going to church means you come to a location at a certain time and experience whatever it is that that church has to offer, right? Being the church means that all times in all locations, you're a representative of Christ wherever you are, whenever you are. Going to church means you come and you hear the gospel message, but being the church means you're out living the gospel message in your interactions with other people, right? Going to church means that when the, when the pastor ends the sermon, we bow our heads and we pray, but being the church means that we're praying continuously. We're always in communion with God. Going to church means that we come and we sing when the service is going, when the worship set is is going, but being the church means that his praise is continuously in our mouth, and we're blessing him at all times. So there's just a huge difference between going to church and being the church. And so for me, when I was a kid, after I stopped going to church, because at a certain point when nobody was making me go to church, I didn't go to church anymore. Right, Because I had never learned, I had never, I had never embraced what it meant to be the church, so I stopped going to church. But when I stopped going to church, then the influence of God in my life dissipated. All right? So I didn't have the, the sense of 
purpose that comes when you're a follower of Jesus. I didn't have the moral compass that comes along with being a follower of Jesus, with being the church. I didn't have the the comfort of knowing that in any kind of fear or temptation or struggle I face, that God is there and he's going to lead me through it. I didn't have any of that because I had only gone to church. I had never become the church. And so for me, my life was, a, was, was, was not going so well after I, left, go, after I left the church, right? Because I wasn't taking it with me. Today, I think a, a lot of us have experienced this. We, maybe we come to church, even come, we even come to church in order to help get through some problem or some struggle that we're experiencing. And that's good. We should come to church. Church is a, is a hospital. It's a, it's a place for you to find healing and, and hope and restoration. But to, but to experience real transformation, it, it's, not, it's not just about coming to church. It's not just about going to church. It's about incorporating it into every fiber of your being and becoming the church. In other words, your relationship will get better when you are Christ's representative to the person with whom you're in a relationship. When you see yourself as, I'm a member of the body of Christ, and this person is a member of the body of Christ, this is a child of God, and I'm a child of God, and I'm going to interact with them in that way. Your job gets better when you, when you see yourself as a representative of God in the workplace. It just gets better. Your, your finances get better when you see yourself as a steward of God's resources, Right? Everything in life begins to transform when your identity transforms from, hey, I'm a person who goes to church, to no, I'm actually an extension of Christ. I'm I'm a part of the body. I'm out here in the world with a much bigger vision than just getting by. I'm part of, being the body of Christ literally is partnering with Christ in Christ's vision for, for, for global transformation. So that means you're walking around in the world as an extension of Christ, bringing hope and peace and love and joy and justice and God's mission into the world, not just trying to get by and keep your job and, and you know, stay under the radar. It's a totally different thing. So if I can encapsulate this whole sermon in, in you know, one theme or one idea, it's this. Church is not a place for you to go. It's a thing for you to be. All right? The body of Christ... Is, is, this, is this metaphor that describes who we really are. So church is just, it's not a location that you attend. It's a person that you become. You become a member of the body of Christ. Now, this is like big picture stuff, right? And, and, and a lot of times I think in churches, we can, we can hear what the preacher is saying and we can go, okay, so that's great. That's great, preacher. But like, how do you actually put that into action? How do I actually apply this? I'm the body of Christ. I'm enacting God's vision on the world. How do I actually do that, right? How do I actually live that out in a real way? Like when I leave here, how do I actually, because if if it's not, if it's not translating out the door, then it's, it's not, it's, there's nothing to it, right? It's entertainment. So as I ask myself, all right, how do, how do I, how do we, how do I personally and we collectively become the body of Christ? How do we actually live that out? Um, a, a, a story came to mind, and, and this last week, I was in Phoenix, Arizona, last week, visiting my mom, um, and, and some of you know my mom has been going through a really tough time. She's, um, she's coming through her final rounds of chemotherapy, and she's doing well, and I, I really appreciate your prayers and your cards and, and, and your calls to her, and she's doing really well, but so we're out there visiting, and we're spending time together, and my brother-in-law and some of his friends said, hey, let's take a break, and we're going to go on a motorcycle ride from Phoenix, Arizona, up to Payson. Now, I used to ride a motorcycle years ago, 
But it turns out that um, it's really hard to strap an infant car seat onto the back of a Harley 883 Sportster. So um, I traded in the motorcycle for a minivan. And some of you feel my pain. The pain is real. The struggle is real. Anybody? Okay. Um, Traded it in. So I haven't been on a motorcycle for a long time. So my brother-in-law and and some of his friends and and my brother-in-law's brother actually let me borrow his bike, his motorcycle. Now, he's got a huge motorcycle because he's a big guy. He's, he's, you know, my brother-in-law and their family. You know, my brother-in-law's like 6'3". You know, these guys are big guys, right? So he's got this motorcycle that's more like like a... tank on two wheels, right? And they're like, okay, here's the bike you're riding. And I'm like, okay, that looks kind of big. So anyway, here's a picture of this motorcycle. It's a big, it's a big motorcycle, right? Um, you will notice that I'm recruiting for the dream team, though, wherever I am. <laughs> dream team. Um, we, got some motor, we got some bikers coming up from Payson to join us this week. No. Um, you'll also notice that I'm smiling on the outside in this picture, but I'm actually terrified on the inside because the road that we rode on our motorcycles from Phoenix to Payson is this windy, twisty, curvy, high mountain road. Here's what it looks like. This is the road, right? That this, this, is the, this is the ride, right? You see that sign with all those little curves? That's an understatement. That's just like, it's more like that. And here's what was happening for me. I haven't ridden a motorcycle in a long time. And these guys that I'm riding with, they're good riders. They ride all the time. They're experts. And I'm trying to roll with them. And so they're leaning into these curves, and they're just easy. It's just flowing around this mountain. And, you know, the, you know, the, the, the cliffs start getting sheerer and sheerer and, and longer and longer. And I haven't been on a bike for a while, so I'm starting to, in my mind, go, okay, now what if I don't, what if I don't make that turn? Well, like, what if I don't lean this 4,000-pound behemoth enough to make that turn, and I just, eh, you know, scoot off the side, right? So what I found is that my eyes kept drifting to the edges. My eyes kept drifting to the places that I didn't want to go. And here's the problem on a motorcycle. Your flow follows your focus. Your bike goes where your eyes are looking. And so the more I looked at the edge, the more I looked at the things I didn't want to happen the more I drifted towards those things, right? So at a certain point, I said, you know what? I got to re- reorient here because I can't, I can't go flying off the edge of one of these cliffs. So what I started doing is there were a group of us, maybe 10, and I started looking at the guys in front of me and just watching how they went around the curve. And so then as I'm watching them, then I'm following them. And when they started to flow to the right, then I started to flow to the right. When they started to flow to the left. And what I found is that where my eyes were going, that's where my bike was going. As they were making it around the curves, now I'm making it around the curves. And as followers of Christ, if we want to become the body of Christ, if we want to actually fulfill the potential of what it means to live out God's mission in our life, then we need to look at some folks that have come before us. We need to look at the the ones who who have navigated the rough and windy terrain before us, and we need to look at how they did it and what they did and what it meant for them to be the body of Christ, what it meant for them to be the church, not just to go to church. And so today I want to I employ what's, what's called the, the principle of first mentions. And, and basically what that means in the Bible is if there's a topic that you want to study, one of the approaches you can take is go find the first place that is mentioned in the Bible and then you explore that piece of it. And so today I want to take just a, a few minutes and explore with you 
the very first description of the early church. These are the first people who were ever called the body of Christ. How were they doing it? How? Because if we can follow their flow, we'll end up going where they went. And here's what it says in, in Acts chapter 2. Now, here's the, here's the backdrop. Here's the context. Jesus has, has, has been on the earth teaching, died, was buried, rose again, ascended to heaven. The apostle Peter preached a, an amazing sermon, and about 3,000 people became believers right at the very, very beginning, at the inception of, of the church, of the body of Christ. So now, think, just think about you know, 3,000, 3,500 people or so are now part of this body, right? They're all a community. They're all, they've all come together as followers of Jesus. And here's what they did. It says this in Acts 2. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. It says, all the believers were together. Somebody say together. And, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together. Say together. In the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together. Say together. With glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And this is what happened. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This little passage captures the essence of what it means for us today to be the body of Christ. This little, this little passage captures the essence of what it means to not just go to church, but to be the church. You'll notice the very first part of what they were doing is that they were receiving inspiration from God. They were looking up. The scripture said that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and to praise, and they were going to the temple courts. So they were, they were spending time looking up. They were receiving inspiration from God. Inspire means to breathe in. And, 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 and every day they were breathing in God's words. It says they were devoted to it. They were reading the, the scriptures together. They were praying together. They were, they were going to the temple courts together. They were singing praises together. It wasn't just like something that they did. It wasn't like a slice of their life. It wasn't like a category of their life. It was all around them. It was, it was absorbed by them. It was who they were. One of, my, one of my favorite pastors and preachers is a guy named Dr. Tony Evans. And I love him because he, he, takes, he literally takes everything and turns it into a, a spiritual metaphor for preaching. I mean, like everything. He could go, this speaker is, you know, kind of like our Christian life. And then he'll figure out some way that it's like our Christian life. It's amazing. So, but he has this little illustration that he uses. He says, there's two ways uh, to drink tea. He says, the first way is dipper. You can be a dipper. And a dipper is somebody who just takes the tea bag and they just dip it in the water and then they pull it out. And then they dip it back in and they pull it out. And it's a lot of work. You dip it in, you pull it out. Then you got to wrap the string around it and squeeze it and pull it out and put the spoon. And so some people do it that way. He said, and some people do their Christian life that way. They dip in on Sunday morning, Sunday morning, and then they dip back out. And then they dip back in the next Sunday and then they dip out. And then they dip out for a few Sundays and then they dip back in on Christmas, right? He said, but the other way, the other way to drink tea is to be a soaker. And they just drop the tea bag in the water and it just 
the tea permeates all the water because it's just under the influence of the tea bag the whole time, right? He's saying as, as followers of Jesus, if we really want to experience what it means to be the church and not just go to church, then we need to be soaking in God's presence, in his word, in, his, in prayer, in praise, in worship all the time. It just needs to be who we are. It just needs to be flowing through us and a part of us. Several weeks ago, I, I was praying before service, and I said, God, fill my mouth with your word. And the Holy Spirit spoke in my heart and said, if you want my mouth to be full of your word, then get my word in your heart. Spend, just spend some time soaking in my word, because then it's just going to flow out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the scripture says the mouth speaks, right? So, so what God is calling us to do, if we, if we want to be like the early church, if we want to actually be the church, be the body of Christ, it's not, it's not about just kind of dipping in and dipping out. This needs to be a part of our life all the time. Every morning or night or wherever your time is, spend time in the word. Just carve out the time. Push away some stuff and spend some time meditating on God. Spend some time praying. Spend some time offering up praise to God. And you'll be blown away by how transformative that becomes in your life. When it's your daily bread. When it's what you eat all the time. Not just a nibble here and a nibble there. So we, we, we are inspired by his word. We soak it in. We breathe it in. But you'll notice that the early church never did this alone. They weren't doing it alone. They were always doing it in community with other people. There was an intimacy, right, to everything they were doing. The Bible says that they broke bread together. And they, they stayed in each other's homes and they ate together. And they prayed together. And they sang together, right? They went to the temple courts together. So there was not just a, I'm, I'm a lone Christian off here getting all my inspiration on a rock from God. And then, you know, that's who I am. They were in community with each other. They were sacrificing for each other. I mean, when you read the passage, you go, oh my gosh, they were selling stuff. When somebody else had a need, they were, they were taking care of each other. They were acting like family. They were acting like they really cared for each other. It wasn't just coming to church and praise the Lord. How are you, brother? Good. How are you doing? Good. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you. And then you're out. You know, it was like, no, you're, they, were, they were family. They were, they were together. Um, I, I spoke to a young woman that... Uh, that said I could share this story. Um, she was a member of our church. Some of you know her. Her name's Ebony Page. And Ebony used to be on our worship team. Uh, and and s- several months back, Ebony, um, uh, her boyfriend, Joe, uh, and I were talking. And Joe was in my life group. And, and so Joe and I are having a conversation. And uh, Ebony had, had told us that she was getting ready to take the MCAT. The MCAT is a test uh, that you have to take in order to apply to, to medical school. And it's a really hard test. And Ebony always had a dream of being a doctor. And so she had this dream. She wanted to be a doctor, so she was going to take the MCAT. So um, we said, all right, you know, we'll be praying for you and hope you do really well and excited for you, and this is going to be really cool. So Ebony took the MCAT. And I didn't hear anything back. Like, you know, weeks went by and just never heard anything. So one time during our life group, I pulled Joe aside and I go, hey, Joe, how did Ebony do on the MCAT? Did she get, you know, did she, how did she do? He said, you know, she did okay, but um, it, it wasn't enough to get her into medical school. So she's kind of she's despondent about it and she's kind of trying to figure out something else and, and she's really not, not sure what to do now with her life and just, you know, it's, it's kind of a hard time for her. 
And so I said, you know, did, do you know if she, did she take like a, a prep course to, before taking the MCAT? Because those things are really, really hard. That's, you know. And so he said, I don't know. So we, we connected. We all got together, a group of us. And I said, Ebony, did you, did you take the prep course before taking the MCAT? There's a prep course. It's Princeton Review or Kaplan or whatever. You can take a prep course. And if you don't take it, it's really hard to be competitive. And so she said, no, I didn't take the prep course. I said, why not? She said, well, I'm a student, you know, and I'm just working part-time, and I really didn't have the, the money. I didn't really have the resources to take the prep course. So I was like, huh. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, this is a, this is a young woman in our congregation who is faithful and serving and following God and being an amazing woman of God and serving on the teams and just, and she's being held back from an opportunity to pursue a pretty massive dream because she just didn't at that time have uh, the, the, you know, the few hundred dollars that it was required to take the prep course in order to take the MCAT. So I get on the phone with our trustees and I go, trustees, this feels like a, one of these moments as a family, where we lean into this. And to their credit, they all said, you're absolutely right. Let's, let's do this. So we called Ebony back up and said, Ebony, if we covered the cost of the, M, of, the, of the prep course, would you take it and then take the MCAT again? And she was a little, little nervous. She was a little scared because she was worried, like, well, what if I, what if I fail? What if, what, if I don't, what if I don't pass? We said, don't worry about that. We're, we just want to be, if you're interested in pursuing this, we want to be a part of it. So she said, okay. So Ebony took the, the prep course. She took the Princeton Re- Review prep course for the MCAT, all right? About four weeks ago, actually it's probably six weeks ago now, Ebony was not only admitted to medical school, she got a full-ride scholarship all the way through medical school thanks to, <laughs> thanks, thanks to a group of people who said, we're not going to just go to church, we're going to actually be the church. You paid for that. You know, you, you paid for that. When you, this is what we do as a family, right? Four weeks ago, she started medical school. In a few years, you'll be calling her Dr. Page, right? And it's because you leaned in as a church family and said, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. This is, this is what a family does. This is how a body works. It's not just the inspiration. It's got to be real community. It's got to be intimate, loving, real community with each other. So if I can just encourage you to do one thing today, get in community at this church. Get in community with other people. Find out what their needs are and try to serve them. Let them, let them open up, take the mask off and let people see some of your needs because you might be fine. You, the, the answer to some of your needs might be right here in this congregation. So get in intimate, real community. That's what the early church did. They broke bread together. They served one another. They sacrificed for one another. And that's what we do. And here's what happens. So the, so the first one is inspiration. That's up, right? You're looking up to God and saying, God, we need, we need what you have for us. The second one is what I call in. That's inspiration. That's where we are in intimate, loving community with each other, right? Through life groups and, and through serving. And that, that's how we do that. And when we do these two things, inspiration and intimacy, it creates an environment of invitation, The scripture says that what happened as a result of this group of people praying together and fellowshipping together and reading these scriptures and being devoted to prayer and devoted to worship is that God added to their number daily those who are being saved. You create an environment where people go, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part 
of a real community. I want to be a part of a real family that actually really loves each other, that actually really has forgiveness for each other and mercy on each other and looks after each other and helps each other to grow. I want to be a part of that. In fact, Jesus said it like this. He said, they will know your good works and then they'll honor your father in heaven. When we have this intimacy as a church a family with each other, and we have inspiration from God, we create an environment of invitation for those who don't even know God yet, who, who may not even believe in God. But we create an environment where they start to pursue God through our actions. There's a, a, a pastor, a bishop uh, in Church of England years and years ago. He was one of the first pastors to speak out against, uh, in World War II, before World War II, against the rise of Nazism. And he said... Uh, that the church is the only society that is designed for the benefit of those who are not members of it, right? Like the church, the, the, the value of the church is, is not just what we get out of it, but it's what it, it's what it pulls, it, it's what it pulls out of us. It's what we turn into. It's the way that we reach out to other people. It begins to transform us. And then we become, as Zach said last week, we become a light to those around us. We become a place of invitation, some of you uh, have probably been following, I've been following um, the, the, the floods down in Houston and in that whole area down in Texas. And um, as soon as it started happening, one of our, one of our overseers uh, and, and the church, one of the churches that are o- over us is a church called Grace Church in Humble, Texas, which is sort of northeastern part of Houston. And so I reached out to them. Uh, when the storm hit, and I started talking and saying, hey, how are, how are the people in your church? Is everybody okay? Are people in, you know, are, are there, is there shelter? Is there... And this church, man, has just been amazing. When the storm hit, this church has become the, has become the body of Christ in a way that I think exemplifies what the body of Christ is to the world. There's a, here's a pastor, a, a picture of our uh, overseer, Scott Jones, when the, the day the storm hit, he and his team got in boats. They got trucks of, thing, trucks of supplies coming down. They opened up their church for, for anyone who needed shelter. They started going out and literally getting people out of their homes, putting them in boats, and taking them to shelter. This woman that he ran into here happened to be a member of his church. He had no idea. He like rolls up to the house in the boat Hey, can we help you? And she's like, oh, hi, Pastor Scott. And he's like, oh, great. So, you know, that's, now that's front door pastoral service. So um, he, and so they've, they've just gone all out for the last several days and, and pouring out resources, pouring out supplies, food. At one point, uh, I was talking to him. They had over 300 people in their, staying at their church. Over 300 people, he said, 14 dogs and a hamster were all living at Grace Church Humble. And, and they were all getting fed three square meals a day, except the hamster who was just getting little, a little bit of drips. Um, but he said, this is, this is just the whole, the whole church, just the lights went on and they went, oh my God, this is, who, this, is our, this is our moment. Let's reach out and let's just be a place where people can come and find restoration and rebuild and hope and find you know, love. It doesn't matter if they're members of the church. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if they're believers. We're just going to reach out and make this a, a, a place for them. And so, I want to invite us today. There's two things I'm going to invite us to do at the end of this service. One is I'm going to invite you to join a life group and get in, intimate with other people. Two is I want to invite you to participate in helping to fund 
what they're doing down there. This is a church that has been incredibly helpful to us for the last six years. He's been an amazing pastor, and he didn't ask for any of this. I called him up this week, and I said, we're going to put together an offering, and we're going to send it down to you guys to help you. It'll be a, it'll be a drop in the bucket, right? But it'll be a, a way for us to extend our love to them as the body of Christ and say, hey, you and us are one, and we want to serve the people that we're not equipped to serve, but you are equipped to serve, and we want to help you guys. So I told him that this week, and then last night, he sent me a little video. I want you to take a look. Watch this. Pastor Brennan, Rebecca, U City Church, thank you, thank you, thank you for your heart, for Houston, for the Gulf Coast, everyone here in Texas. It's the end of Saturday. I've come home from a full day of us trying to help families uh, disassemble their world first so they can then put their world back together. There's three phases to what's happening here in Houston. First was rescue, and we were a part of that. Now it's recovery. Everyone's doing demolition and figuring out what they lost and what they have, reuniting with family. And then next, we will rebuild. And we're doing the best we can. Right now, I I absolutely stink. I, I smell, if you've ever been in a flooded home, Uh, The smell of uh, mildew and wet wood and wet carpet, it it just gets into every pore of your body. And it actually struck me earlier that the hands and feet of Jesus stink. If you're really doing Christ's work, if you are the hands and feet of Jesus, you got to be willing to get dirty. I don't have a cape on my back. I'm just a pastor trying to serve my community. But when people like you reach out, when your pastor When Pastor Brent reached out multiple times to check on our well-being and our church's well-being and our city, I can't tell you the lift that is in our spirit. So I thank you in advance for what you're doing today. I thank you for your prayers, and I thank you for your heart and your ongoing support. We will get through this, and we're showing the world and the nation that we really are one body, the body of Christ, and we are one blood, according to Acts 17. There's no talk around here about racial supremacy or prejudice right now. Everybody's clinging to everybody. We have figured out if you've got skin on, you're my brother, you're my neighbor, and I need you and you need me. So I thank you, you City Church. God bless your heart. God bless what you're doing. One of of the early, early church fathers, St. Augustine, put it like this. He said, we should give thanks and gratitude to God because... We have not only become Christians, we have become Christ himself. That's what it means to be the body of Christ. It means we actually are partnering with God to bring his vision to the world. To rescue people, to bring hope, to bring restoration, to bring reconciliation, to put things back right under God. With Jesus as our head and us as the members, we become one body. It's not about checking the box. It's, it's, it's not about going to church. It's about being the church, right? It's not about uh, receiving, just receiving forgiveness for ourselves. It's about forging a new path for our communities. It's not just about following the rules. It's about literally building a new reality in the world as brothers and sisters together under Christ. It's not about going to church. It's about being the church. And so today, if I, can just, if I can just convey one thing to you, I would, that, that's it. Let's do this together. Let's become the hands and feet of Jesus in every aspect of our lives. Let, let it transform us from the inside out. Because when that happens, then we really begin to live out 
what God has called us to live out. We begin to be who God called us to be and do what God called us to do. I'm going to close by uh, offering you some, some opportunities today to, to be the body of Christ. And one is by helping these guys out. Uh, we, we always take an offering at the, at the end of church, um, and, and that allows us to do the ministry that we do here. And we support a lot of other groups locally, nationally, internationally. You can go on our website, see all the people that we support. support we support a lot of people. But I want to take a moment this Sunday, today, to have a special offering. If you want to designate your offering or some amount of your offering to Grace Church and Humble, just let us know. Write it on your check. You can do it online. I think there's a little drop-down window. You can drop it in there um, or write it on your envelope. But I want us, as, as part of the body of Christ, to reach out to them and say, we support you, we love you, we're with you, and we're here to help you fulfill your mission as part of the body of Christ. So if that's something that, you're, that moves you and is on your heart, do that today. We want to send a, a good offering to Grace Church. Uh, another thing that we always do here is we provide an opportunity for you to pray with somebody. So as we close, I'd invite our our prayer team members to come up to the right and to the left. And if you're here today and you need prayer, like maybe maybe you've been one of those dippers, right? You've come to church, you dip in, you dip out, but it has never become who you are. It's never become part of you and you want that for yourself today, then I would invite you to come and pray. Come pray with Glenn or come and pray with Narcy. Um, in just a moment when we invite everybody and just let them pray with you. If you've never made a commitment to Christ, do that today. You can put it on your connection card. I want to make a commitment to Christ. We'll send you a book. We'll send you a a letter and and, and give you some guidance about how to take the next steps. But I want to invite each and every one of you today to take what step is right in front of you to become the body of Christ. 